Hey guys, you're now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. teaching. I pray that you would lead the conversations. Uh, more than anything, Lord, I just want to follow the the hunger yeah. of everybody in the room because the hungry get fed. And I know we came here to receive a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, another infilling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that no matter where we're at, no matter how we've received it in the past, I pray that we would be ready to receive it again. Yeah. Because scripture says that there are multiple infillings of the Spirit. And so more than anything tonight, I just want to prime the pump and, and see what you want to do and um, get us ready to receive again. Lord, I pray that we would just be ready to receive again. The disciples received the Holy Spirit in, Act, in John 20 when Jesus breathed <coughs> on them when he came into the upper room. And then in Luke 24, they were told to wait. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit again in Acts 2 where they received tongues of fire. And then in Acts 4, they received it again, and the whole, the whole uh, building around them shook because of the glory that came into the room. So Lord, I just pray that you would lead tonight. Um, <clears throat> you would show us what we're hungry for. Stir up questions. And uh, if there are no questions, Lord, just... Show me where to go, because I could talk about this for a long time. I've got a lot of notes on it. I've got a lot of ideas about your spirit and who you are um, and, and just this concept of the baptism. But more than anything, I, wanna, I want the hungry to get fed tonight. Um, this is a small enough group where the hungry can get fed. So we just thank you. Jesus is name. Amen. All right. So let's talk about some practical things for a second. We're, we're going to, um, there are different perspectives on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, this is, I pulled this uh, pretty much directly from a book called The Spiritual Gifts Handbook by Randy Clark. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it, especially if you want to learn more about spiritual gifts. It's a very balanced perspective, in my opinion. Um, so the first view of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is... The baptism in the Spirit is an activation or coming alive of what was given through faith at the time of regeneration. That is the new birth in Christ. And this is the view most historical evangelical denominations have. Um, this view of the, of the baptism in the Spirit understands that baptism in the Spirit uh, occurs at the moment of regeneration. It recognizes, however, that most people do not experience this reality at the time, either because they were baptized as infants or because they were not in an environment with of expectant faith. It is not that nothing occurred, but rather the gift of the Spirit is dormant in the person's life. And later, often in the context of receiving prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. the gift is activated. This later experience is not a receiving of the Holy Spirit, but a stirring up or a release of the Holy Spirit who has already been present in the individual. Amen. So, 
Um, uh, so in this first view, you can look at it in this way. Rather than you receiving salvation at one point in time and receiving the Holy Spirit in a measure at that point in time so that you were saved, and then receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit later, which is, which is my story, um, you receive it all at once, and then through the laying on of hands, you stir up the Holy Spirit. Uh, in 2 Timothy it actually says, um, when we talk about, we quote that verse all the time, 2 Timothy 1, 6, where it says, uh, the spirit, the Lord hasn't given you uh, a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. In context, that, that, that verse is actually talking about spiritual gifts and how Timothy needs to lay hands, have someone lay hands on him and lay hands on himself to stir up the gifts of the spirit inside of him that he had already received from laying on of hands. Um, now, I say all that to say that uh, there are some people who may have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they were saved. And rather than being able to flow in the giftings and give the gifts away, it's almost like they received, uh, it's almost like they received Santa's um, toy bag and it was locked. They don't know how to get it. They don't know how to access it. And through prayer, it's like they got the key. And all of a sudden, they had access to all the goodies that they had been carrying around for a long time. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Yeah. This is one view. I'm not going to tell you that any view is wrong. I actually think all of them are right. Because um, I've seen them play out in history and in people. Um, so I'm not going to say any one view is wrong. What I want to challenge you in is don't get stuck being narrow-minded in your view. Because being stuck in a narrow-minded view that isn't narrow-minded in the sense of this is what Scripture says. Don't, what I mean to say is don't put God in a box that he hasn't put himself in. Does that make sense? If God boxes himself into one area and he says this is how I operate, stick to that. Everything else, leave room for him to do what he's going to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so the second view, and this is the view that I held for the longest time coming up in Pentecostalism and uh, Word of Faith is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience of the Spirit that is subsequent or later on to receiving the Spirit in regeneration. Um, this view is he held in holiness and in Pentecostal denominations around the world. So you're talking things like Word of Faith, Charismatics, Pentecostals, holiness. Um, Assemblies of God is in that. Church of God is in that. Um, and the reason being why this view has been held so uh, tightly by these denominations is because in 1900, um, 19, or I'm sorry, 19, uh, 1899, um, Charles Parham realized that there was this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And at the Bible college that he was teaching at, he got a bunch of people in a room together, and they prayed all night for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At 1201-1900, the baptism of the Holy Spirit dropped, and the Spirit dropped so strongly. These are people that were already saved. They were already saved. They already had the Spirit of God living inside of them. They had seen healings happen. They had seen a lot of crazy things happen. These were Methodists before Methodism got like kind of weird like it is now, right? And um, they were... The Pentecostal holiness people came out of the Methodist movement because Methodists were holiness people, too, um, for a long time. And um, so the, the, the Holy Spirit dropped so heavy in that room that Charles, that, um, 
Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Seymour something. Richard. Mm -hmm. Not Richard. No, it's not Richard. The, the guy. Uh, William Seymour, who starred the Azusa Street Revival, was outside because this was still a pretty racist time. And Charles Perrin believed in him and believed in what the Lord was doing in him in the black community. And he said, you can't come into the room with us, but you can wait outside. And so William Seymour waited outside, peering in a window, listening and praying with everybody. And the Holy Spirit dropped so heavy that it like exploded, went out outside of the, the room in and of itself. And not, not only baptized everybody in the room, but baptized William Seymour. He went to California, started the Azusa Street Revival, and almost all of Pentecostalism and charismatic Christianity stems from, in America, stems from this Azusa Street Revival. And so because of how the Holy Spirit came in a, at a second time um, for these people, uh, and because it seems to come a second time, once at regeneration, John 20, you go to John 20, Jesus appears in the upper room and he breathes and says, here, receive my Holy Spirit. And then in Luke 24, if you're going to line it up, if you look at a chronological Bible, you're going to see Luke 20 come before, or John 20 come before Luke 24. And at Luke 24, Jesus says, but wait, stay in Jerusalem, pray until you receive power from on high. And then right after that, you have Acts 1 and Acts 2, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes and gives them power from on high. Alright, and so in Scripture we even see, and we'll, I'll give more examples of this later on if you guys want, but in Scripture what we typically see is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes after salvation. It's not an all-in-one package deal. It's not to say that that doesn't happen. I'm saying that from my experience and from what I've seen in the Bible, typically God's uh, formula is we're going to get you saved and then you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to flow in signs and wonders and miracles. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Textually? Yeah. <clears throat> if you have the answer to this, if not, I'll go look it up. The, since you mentioned Luke and John, the authors, those authors were particularly to the Gentiles, as we know. Do you think there's any real reason why the Holy Spirit isn't really emphasized in Matthew and in um, Mark? <coughs> Boy, I don't. Why you gonna? I don't want to go on a rabbit trail. Why you gonna open a can of worms like that? I'm just. I was curious. I'm very curious. Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts in one giant. Yeah, it was one giant. So that makes sense. And it's actually reassuring right now. Is like we're all Gentiles in this room. Right. I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm I'm asking because wasn't Mark written to Jews to the Romans? Matthew was written to the Jews. Interesting. Okay, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, it was to see that Luke was along the time of the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. And then John. Luke was to the Greeks. John was to everybody. Okay. John was just like, God is love. Everybody needs to pay attention to this. That's Holy true. Spirit. We do need to pay attention. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Here's all the other stuff that they didn't mention. That's basically well, John, what John's point John of view was. <laughs> he does. I'm Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to be a distraction. <laughs> The one that Jesus loved. All right, so here's the, here's the third view. Here's the, here's the third view. You guys ready? Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not connected to regeneration in Christ, but is a new coming of the Spirit into a person's life for a new mission or calling. Um, 
when we broke off and started three different churches after Identity House, right, one of the things we prayed for was a new move of the Spirit in all of our lives. And we saw that happen in the very beginning. We're still seeing it happen in two churches. The Spirit moved the other church to do other things, and now they don't exist anymore, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a move of the Spirit. What I mean to say is the Spirit always comes to put a seal of approval on something that is His. Typically, that is a new move of the baptism and a new flowing of signs and wonders and miracles. Typically. That's what you see throughout church history. Um, here's the fourth view. And the final view is the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a historical, historically significant global phenomenon that signals an eschological turning point. Which again, seems to happen. What does um, eschatological mean? End times. End times turning event. So for instance, um, we had the baptism of the Holy Spirit happen all throughout the book of Acts. And then eventually at some point it died out for some reason with the early church fathers. And it popped up again in 1900 with Charles Parham. And it was going strong for a little while. Um, and then it kind of died off again until the Word of Faith movement. And then it kind of seemed to dial back a little bit. And then the Charismatic movement popped up. Um, and now it's to the point to where uh, what's interesting is that there are more Christians now around the world that believe in signs and wonders and miracles and believe in continuationism because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit in people's lives than there are sensationists anymore. Wow. Which... You couldn't say that 50 years ago, right? So, yeah. So there's been a turning point. Um, now, I'm not going to tell you that we're, we're, we're the closest we've ever been to the end. That's just where I'm going to leave it because no one knows the day or the hour. But if you're going to look to any sort of event, keep in, keep in time with the Feast of Trumpets because at the last trumpet blast, that's when Jesus comes back, right? So, um, But my point is... Um, Typically, what you see is a, is a new baptism of the Holy Spirit or a new move in the Spirit anytime a significant turning point in history happens for whatever reason. I actually think that there's going to be a new move of the Spirit because the LGBTQI plus community is directly in opposition of Christianity and they've set themselves up to be a new religion. They really have. Um, this is the hardest that Christians have ever had to come together to fight against an opposing force here in America. And I'm not saying that from a political viewpoint. I'm saying legitimately this has been an ideology um, that has infiltrated the church in a way that nothing else ever has. Nothing else ever has. Some people think it's CRT. Um, I actually don't. I think that the LGBTQI plus movement is using uh, critical theory in order to go above and beyond what critical race theory did and is doing um, personally. So I think I think actually the, the churches that are really going to step up and be um, be used in this spiritual war, because it's not a war against people, against what the enemy is doing right now in America, I think that they're going to be they're going to have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to know how to pray Holy Spirit prayers in order to go at, go really go to war with with this spirit. Um, so, anyway, 
Um, you guys have any questions about that kind of stuff before we keep moving? All right. All right. Cool. Um, so, uh, let's look at let's look at some examples in scripture. All right. Um, let's just we're gonna do a little timeline read. If that's all right with you guys, Are you guys cool with just that? Um, let's go to John twenty. Jern wanted. It's Jern. Starting in verse nineteen. It says, <clears throat> on, that, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are, forgi- you, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it, it is withheld. So this is the first mention after chronologically after Jesus is resurrected that the Holy Spirit is resurrected, or that the Holy Spirit is mentioned with him. And this is when Jesus appears in the upper room the first time. This is without Thomas. Thomas isn't in the room. You'll read later on that Thomas wasn't there and uh it says actually in the next verse now thomas one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when jesus came and so jesus had to appear to them all over again in the upper room later on doubting thomas had to see the scars for himself right um but uh what we see later on is that um you can do luke 24 if you want um you want to do that let's just go to it then that first give me a second let me get to it actually if you turn the switch on that it turns it brighter it's the glue no, on the lamp oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot oh, do it one more do it one more oh. do one more You can turn it on. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't know how bright it was going to be. All right, Luke 24. Oh, jeez. Wow. Sorry, guys, I'm blind. Okay. <laughs> actually, actually it really helps me. me. Thank you. <clears throat> they make these Bibles with these small print. Yeah. Um, let's, start, uh, let's start in verse 44. It says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Excuse me. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and behold... I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, 
And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and turned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Alright, so right after that, Acts 1 picks up, right? So we see again, we see a picture of Jesus ascending in Acts 1. We're not going to read all of Acts 1, I'm just going to give you a time frame here. Um, we see Luke backs up again for a moment and says, okay, let's go back over the ascension story. Then they choose the 12th apostle to be with them again, Matthias. And then we get to Acts 2, which is when the Holy Spirit comes. There's power from on high. We see them go out with power after this. They don't just have the Holy Spirit for salvation. They have the Holy Spirit with power. All right. So this is, this is a big deal. Now, I do want to back up. I want to slow down for a minute because I think this is important. A lot of times we as Western Christians, we read this and we go, oh, well, they were just in an upper room praying and worshiping Jesus and just waiting for something to happen, but they didn't really know what was going to happen. That's not completely true. This was happening. This is at Pentecost, which is uh, Shabbat. Um, Sorry. Uh, Shabbat. I'm sorry. It, it is a it is a Jewish festival called the Feast of Weeks, and it is um, the reason why they celebrate the Feast of Weeks is because fifty days after the Exodus, which is Passover, they were they had gotten through the wilderness of sin and they were camped at Mount Sinai. And do you know what happened on that fiftieth day? The glory of the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai yeah, like a fire. Yeah, it did. And God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And then right after that, Moses went down from the mountain. He got mad because they were worshiping a cow. <laughs> he broke the tablets, and then 3,000 people died. Yep. So after the power comes to the disciples, how many, do you know guys, remember how many people get saved in Acts 2? 3,000. It's redemptive. It's redemptive in a lot of ways. But there's one thing that I want you to realize as we get into this, because we can talk about that because we see that in Scripture. One thing that we don't understand a lot of times is Jewish customs. A custom to celebrate Shavuot is, because the law was given, they stay up all night the night before reading the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And so they weren't just sitting there praying, doing nothing. And they weren't just sitting there singing songs. They were reading the word. Their minds were saturated with the fact that God is the God of the impossible. This is, this is his Messiah. We see him in scripture now because he's lined everything up for us. And now we're seeing him even more so in the law. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but in Genesis 10, it gives a list of people groups, 70 people groups at this time period. Now, when we get into the people groups that are saved here, that hear in their own language, these are the same people groups from Genesis 10. Interesting. <laughs> this is important. Yeah, yeah it's, very, it's very redemptive. It's very important to know. So, the reason why I say all that is because when I say they went out in power, I don't just mean they went out praying in tongues like we would see in a church service. Like, I'm sure there have been plenty of us in here who have gone to a charismatic church service where people were yelling in tongues, but nothing was really happening. Mm-hmm. It's because things weren't done decently and in order. What I want to get across to you is that power came with this 
experience in the spirit. And so when we say, as a, as a culture, as our culture, Maranatha House, HPCC, when I say baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't just mean, oh man, you got saved and you got the Holy Spirit now. I mean, you have received the Holy Spirit with power to conquer the sin in your life yeah. and set free the people around you. All right? That's the point of this. This isn't just to feel good because you have spiritual gifts. This is the power to do God's will in getting freedom from your own sin and helping others get free as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Mm-hmm. All right, so Acts 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived and they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound of the mighty rushing wind, and it, was, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, I've heard a lot of people preach about the suddenlies of God. And they say, oh, you can't do anything to earn the suddenly. The suddenly just comes. Again, not true. We forget what led up to the suddenly. What led up to the suddenly? They were up all night praying and worshiping and reading the Torah. Mm -hmm. All five books, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they were saturated in that. They were saturated in the coming promises. They were saturated in the fact that they knew that Yahweh was going to set them free because that's what those first five books are about. Sin coming in and then the Lord setting them free from slavery. Well, what does Jesus make a point to point out in the Gospels? You're not free. Not like you think you are. Just because you've left Egypt doesn't mean Egypt's left you. You're still stuck in sin. I came to set you free from that. This is what they're thinking about as the Holy Spirit is coming. Right? Then suddenly, because they've set themselves up to receive from the Lord. You guys tracking with me? And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were all bewildered because each of them were hearing them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and astonished, saying, Are these not who are... Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking them, saying, They are filled with new wine. And then Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. He said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That is 9 a.m. And this is... What was uttered through the prophet Joel? And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. Even on my male servants and on my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I shall show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes 
the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter continues with even more preaching after that. I'm not going to get into all of it. What I want you to see is that after this, this second, you can call it a second baptism if you want, a second receiving of the Holy Spirit. If you need to, if you need to line it up and get the word baptism out of that, they've received the Holy Spirit once, they received Him again. They're filled again, a second time. Alright, if we need to get, if we need to get all of our, if we need to get the Pentecostalism and Charismatic, Charismania out of like our vocabulary right now, what I want you to see at the end of this is that they were filled with the Holy Spirit twice. Two times. Mm-hmm. Alright? My question to you tonight as we get into this, as we pray later on is, maybe you've received them once. Maybe you've received them twice. Are you willing to receive them again? The areas of your life where you've grown stale, that have grown cold, where you feel like, Lord, I need another touch. I need to feel your power. I need, to, I need you to set me free here. Are you willing not just to ask him for it, yes, but Lord. to receive it? Yes, yeah. Because there's a lot of times where we go into our prayer closet and we ask the Lord for something without really meaning it. My question tonight is, mm. do you mean it? Don't pray a half-hearted prayer. And don't pray yourself out of faith. Because sometimes we spend so much time praying that we forget to actually set ourselves up to do. Yeah. Right? So, second time. Um, let's go to Acts 4. We're going to start in verse 23. <clears throat> So this is after Peter and John um, are with the council and they have to run away because the Jews are coming after them, right? It says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together into God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of, your fa- of our father David... Your servant said, by the Holy Spirit, excuse me, why did the Gentiles rage and why the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon your their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together had shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wow. It was the third time that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that? Mm-hmm. So there are two things I want you to see in this verse, uh, in these ver- this set of verses. And this is, um, when we talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I don't, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to tell you that it's something it's not. There are some denominations that will say you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you're not speaking in tongues or you're not prophesying. I don't believe that, actually. 
Um, because in this instance, you don't see any of those things. But let me tell you what you do see. Every time the Holy Spirit is given, and I have more examples, and you're going to see it as we go over these examples. There are three things that happen, three key things that happen every time the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you up again. The first thing is you magnify God. You give praise to Jesus. You give praise to Abba. You give praise to the Holy Spirit no matter what. There's nothing that's going to stop you from giving your praise. You're going to magnify the works of the Lord. That is your intent. Right? The second thing is boldness. Boldness. Um, you have to stay full in order to stay bold. Yeah. Bold in a kind way. And I say it like that. Because I think we see a lot of people who are bold on behalf of the Lord, but they're fire and brimstone and they're mean. And that's not what I mean. When I say boldness, I mean following Jesus and proclaiming his message at all costs in love. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you have boldness, you find ways to preach the gospel to your coworkers, even though you may not... Maybe against the rules. Come on. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and it manifests as boldness, you look for opportunities to pray for people while you're out. You look for opportunities to share the gospel with people around you. Sometimes it's a slow process, but you're at least looking for it. You're aware of it. You're not putting it on the back burner. Does that make sense? And the third thing is some sort of spiritual gift. And it doesn't always manifest right away. Um, But I... But it will manifest. It will. But the two things that we see the most from this baptism of the Holy Spirit is magnifying God and boldness. Mm. I would venture forth to say even, we don't see this in Scripture... But I would venture forth to say because of the Holy Spirit's work and and the people and the lives of people that I know after they've received it is I would also say that typically the the baptism of the Holy Spirit helps break helps bring breakthrough in an area that we need breakthrough in our own lives. It may not may not always be um, it may not may not always be like a financial miracle or something like that. But but what it will do is break the chains that of sin that hold you back. Um, what if you like a question? What if you sure. don't know what needs to be broken? You ask. Okay. Yeah, you just ask. Um, you ask him, and, and if you feel like you're not getting a clear answer, you go to people that you trust. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, I uh, I think something's off. You, have you noticed anything about me? Yeah. You know, um, Chris Volatin says that the the whole point of deception is you don't know you're deceived, yeah. right? And so sometimes you have to trust other people more than you trust yourself. And so that's why it's so important to have close-knit, um, godly relationships with people mm-hmm. because they're going to notice things about you that you don't. And depending on the type of relationship you have and, and the walk that you have, there are going to be some things they bring to your attention naturally and there are going to be things that they hold back on because they're praying for you. Because maybe you just don't know about it. Maybe you need you need some more time, you know. And so, um, 
if you don't know, uh, get get some some people around you, form a covenant, and then start asking. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. form a covenant, not a covenant. I'd like Let's to, go to Acts eight. I'd like to ask a question before you go too far ahead. Sure. Back on John twenty. Yeah. Um, when in that instance, that measure of the Holy Spirit that they receive, um, it says right after that first verse, it says, "If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld." My question is: Is do you think like when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? we now have the authority to forgive the sins of others. So that for, I would say that first one that he does there is about salvation. It's not about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I would say upon salvation, as an, as an ambassador of Jesus, an ambassador of reconciliation, I would say that, um, I, I would say that we, we have a duty to we have a duty to extend the Lord's forgiveness to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say we also, when we withhold forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, as the Lord's ambassadors, we curse people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Um, yeah, because I was thinking of the ver- verse that would go with what Jesus had promised, even Peter saying, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And I'm wondering like, with the Holy Spirit and the baptism of that, you know, that, that those measures that God gives, mm-hmm. it is, as you said, that Jesus came to release the captives and set the prisoners free. Mm-hmm. So as we have that, we can give that and forgive other people as well. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I would say so. Right. So not just for personal offense, but also if you recognize, I'm just thinking about like what you said. It was really good. It's like if you recognize that there's brokenness in someone's life, yeah. is I'm wondering, instead of like immediately calling that out, because maybe that's something I used to do, is maybe call it out too soon, yeah. is forgive that person because I have the Holy Spirit. And then wait for God to intervene and bring that relationship and ministry reconciliation, whatever yeah. you want to call it. To start from the place of forgiveness, even if you don't have a relationship with them yet. Let's go to Acts 8. Let's start in verse 4. A lot of things to be said about Acts 8. I'm only going to point out a couple. Um... Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits came uh, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. Now there was a man named Simon, so there was much joy in the city. It sounds like people were getting saved, right? Mm-hmm. Like receiving Jesus, because he was proclaiming Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city, and 
amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was someone great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power, has the power of God, that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news, remember, they believed Philip because he preached the good news, right? Salvation. Of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Oh, baptized in what? Water, probably, right? Uh, And I'm going to give you context for that in a second. Baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wait, I thought they were already saved. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were seeing signs and wonders. They were getting healed. They had demons cast out of them. So when, when Luke is saying, that they're praying that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What is he saying here? Let's keep reading. For he had not fallen on any of them. Fallen on any of them. When was the last time he fell? In Acts 4, right? And when was the last time he fell before that? Acts 2. Acts 2. The baptism, right? <clears throat> For he had not fallen on any of them yet, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, well, they had gotten baptized in water, right? Yeah. Now, when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing that you have said may come upon me. So there are a couple things I want you guys to see here, and I've kind of highlighted them to you. First of all, Samaria got saved. They were baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit in water, right? That's what they're referencing. And then the apostles came to lay hands on them so that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is two separate occasions. This isn't one continuous thing. Does that make sense? This is When I said this is why so many Pentecostals say it's two separate events, stuff like this is why. Between, between John 20 and Luke 24 and Acts 2... And then again, with this set of verses in, in, in Acts 8, it seems to in, indicate that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate occasion from salvation. Right? Um, <clears throat> the second thing that I want you to see is this goal of bitterness. Um, bitterness and selfish gain are a block to the Holy Spirit. If you are, and I'm gonna, we're gonna take some time. I'm, um, I think Cam's gonna play a little bit of music as we pray, but um, I want to give you guys time. If there's someone you need to forgive, including yourself, like for real, yourself, let yourself off the hook. 
before we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, do it. Do it. Because it's going to hinder you from, from receiving Him in the way that He wants you to receive Him. Does that make sense? And don't have any selfish intent. No selfish gain. Now now that I've said that, the first person to give me $1,000 is going to get the Holy Spirit first. Oh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) The word of faith in me came out. For your new private jet. Flyer in Highland Park. That would go well. Maybe a moment. Sorry, I know I was getting heavy. I had to lighten the mood with something. (laughs) <laughs> we pay our bills. <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, Acts ten. Um, Acts ten. This is this is Peter praying for Cornelius's family, the Gentiles. Right? Cornelius is a Gentile that, for some reason, worshipped Yahweh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Weird flex, but this is this is like right before this is when Peter gets the vision of the pig. And, and God's like, go eat the bacon. Don't call anything unclean that I've called clean, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he goes and says, oh, well, these Gentiles who are like unclean pigs, God, you've called them clean. Let me go preach. You told me to preach the gospel to them. Let me preach the gospel to them. So Peter, Peter begins um, in verse, uh, let's see. So in verses... 34 through 43, Peter preaches the gospel to these guys. I'm not going to read all this to you because you guys know the gospel. What I want you to see is starting in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now, when was the last time the Holy Spirit fell? In Acts 8, when the apostles laid hands on them. When did he fall before that? In Acts 4, when they prayed for another baptism of the Holy Spirit. When did he fall before that? In Acts 2, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit hit, and they went out in boldness, right? And they had tongues of fire, right? So the Holy Spirit fell, and all the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling or magnifying God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were asked to remain for some days. And so Peter obviously remained there, taught them more about the gospel, taught them more about the ways of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we see here, again, the, 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 the three things that happen. There's boldness there, the, the gifts manifest, and, and they're magnifying the Lord. Right? Right? And then the baptism in water comes later. You know, so again, we're looking at separate occurrences happening. Now, in this particular instance, what I think is interesting is they received the Holy Spirit for salvation at the same time they received the baptism for holy of the Holy Spirit. But there is a significant difference in the way that they're acting compared to the way that the Sumerians enact and Acts 8 acted. Right? Right? Um, And then finally, Acts 19. Let's go there. Yes, sir. I'm pretty sure that Cornelius was the the centurion from Luke 7 who brings his sick servant to Jesus. He might have been. I'm not going to say that he's not. I don't know. 
It makes sense because yeah. it was written by the same person. It makes sense. Yeah. All right. Acts 19 verses 1 through 6. You guys ready? You're ready. I'm still. I'm sorry. I wasn't dumb. I just don't know. Kim was. Uh, I didn't do anything. Kim was being goofy. Okay. I was being goofy with her. Okay. What? Alright, sorry. Awkward. Uh, one track mind. I'm sorry. Acts 19. The Bible's open in front of me. I'm not paying attention to that. Alright, uh, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country of Ephesus, and he found some disciples there. Disciples. That means they probably already believed in Jesus, right? They were already disciples. He counted them among the brethren. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? So clearly, they have some sort of belief system. They have some sort of regeneration, salvation experience. They have the Holy Spirit to some degree, but they don't know about this other thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And they said that we received no... Um, we, we were baptized into John's baptism. And, and then Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was coming after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Mm. There were about 12 men in all. Is that number 12 again, right? Watch this. And then he entered the synagogue and and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. There's that boldness again. So, when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and what we're doing tonight, man, because there's there's a lot more that I could have said. I could have given you reasons why you need this thing. Um, and, And I can go down the list without giving you scriptural references and just let you guys dig for it because I think that's important. So some of the reasons why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like we need it. First of all, Jesus and the apostles were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all were. All 12 of the apostles were. We see that next too. And Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit at his own baptism. It says the Holy Spirit descended, it fell on him like a dove, and it remained. Right? Um... The Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses in the world, according to Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit gives us power to live a holy life. Holy life. There are some of us in the room that may have been having trouble with some sin in our lives, and it's because we don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit that the Lord would want us to have. Um, The Holy Spirit is a comforter who will abide forever. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a refreshing that I've spoken of in the prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah 28, verses 11 through 12. talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit being a refreshing. Maybe some of us aren't stuck in sin. Maybe we just need to be refreshed. Right? The Holy Spirit quickens our mortal bodies. It brings us alive. The Holy Spirit will guide the believer into all truth. He guides us into truth. It's so much easier to know what the truth is when we have the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in all things. He'll help us pray supernaturally. Acts 8.26 commands us to pray in the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit prays for us in, in groanings and moans that we don't know the utterance of. I mean, that's that's tongues for you. That's the gift of tongues right there. You know? Um, 
That only comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, though. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is needed in order to walk fully in your spiritual gifts. And the, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will help you walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Those are some of the main reasons why you need this thing. Why this is so important to our walk. Right? And I know that Wednesdays are supposed to be a spiritual gift class. So the, one of the main things that you need to know is you really want to know what your spiritual gifts are. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? You guys with me? You have any you guys have any questions before we move on to praying? If there's no manifestation after receiving the baptism, how does one know they do mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good oh man, that's a good question. So um let's 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 talk about so let's talk about manifestations real quick. Um so some of the manifestations we read about in Scripture is there's, a, there's obviously a boldness, like you have a desire to go out and be bold for, for Jesus. Um, there is, man, there's a, when you're receiving the Holy Spirit in this way, you can't help but just want to thank the Lord. I mean, it's, ex, ex, it's external. I know some of us may not be comfortable with that. Like I was watching everybody as we were worshiping because I was trying to like kind of pinpoint where everybody is at. And then there are some people in the room who just like, don't seem to be comfortable singing. Maybe you don't know the words. Maybe maybe whatever. You like to be more contemplative in your worship. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's not what's going to happen. Um, one of the manifestations isn't becoming more contemplative in your worship. It's becoming more external. There's a physical manifestation of it. Um, you might even be speaking in tongues. Like One of the things is you may feel a bubbling up. Um, in your stomach and you may feel like you need to give praise to the Lord if that happens you just keep praising the Lord you just, even if it's something simple like thank you Jesus and you just don't think about what you're saying just let it happen right just let the Holy Spirit take over and and if it is tongues and you've never had tongues before let the tongues happen let it flow out of you and eventually you'll learn how to control it because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control so you'll learn how to control that gift and be able to pray in tongues so that you edify yourself like it says in First Corinthians 14 and that's something, you know, we can get into later. Um, you know, you might feel butterflies in your stomach. Again, that, I guess that's the bubbling. One of the things that happens to me a lot of the times when the Holy Spirit's on me is my hands get really hot or they get tingly. It's almost like I have electricity going through my hands. Sometimes it happens in my legs. Sometimes my legs get tingly and it feels like I've got, like, currents flowing. Um, sometimes it, I can be standing still and it feels like there's a wave coming at me. And I just feel like, man, I'm... It's funny. I love the wave when it's the Holy Spirit, but I hate the ocean. It's the weirdest Aww. thing for me. Um, and so I'm just like, yes, bring the waves, Holy Spirit. And then I get to the ocean with my family because they want to go, and I'm like, man, just take me out of here. Yeah. Holy Rapture me now. No, these ones. Um, so um, those are some things. Another thing would be like a, a river um, flowing into you, uh, like that refreshing you know, um, a lightness in your heart. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you feel heavy, and and it's like the weight comes off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and I've even experienced this too. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I feel light going into the prayer, and the more the Holy Spirit comes upon me, the glory of the Lord comes, and I get heavy, and I want to hit the ground. Yeah. Um, the word glory actually means weight or weightiness of the Lord, and so we talk about 
the glory of the Lord that comes with the Holy Spirit, the weightiness of Him comes. And, and it forces us, it's funny, when we don't want to worship, the weightiness of the Lord, His glory forces us into a position of worship on the ground, whether we want it or not, because eventually we're all going to be that way. Right? And so, um, now I will say too, if you don't feel any of that, that's okay. That's completely okay. I know a friend of mine, um, friend of mine, uh, Matt, has never felt anything like that and then received the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit nothing happened like a month later he was able to speak in tongues and then he saw other things start to happen around him and so I want to encourage you tonight don't go looking for the manifestation tonight isn't about manifestation if the manifestation comes awesome praise the Lord we want that That's that builds our faith but if it doesn't don't lose heart. Stand in faith. You you believed you received it. I'm going to walk you through a prayer to receive it, and then I'm going to pray for you to receive it. When all else fails, go back to that prayer. Man, I prayed this. I received it. I believed I received it in the moment. I've got it. I've got it. I'm just waiting for it to manifest. Just waiting for it to manifest. Um, and don't be discouraged because everyone's walk is different. Everyone's walk is different. The way that Cam got the gift of tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than how I got it. I had someone, I had to have people pray for me three times on three different occasions before I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the last time, the only reason I got it, this and this was the block, is because I needed deliverance. I, I had to go to um, some pastors who specialize in deliverance ministry, and they cast a demon out of me, and then all of a sudden, the baptism of the Holy Spirit hit, and I was ready to go. It's on fire. You know, and like the next within the next week, I saw healings and prophecies and stuff starting to happen. Like it was awesome, but it took it took that. And the gift of tongues for me wasn't a bubbling up like it was for everybody else. I they left me alone in a room, and all I could think about was praising the Lord. And I heard, I heard tongues around me, but no one was in the room. And then it turned into a song, and I was like, Lord, what is this? And He said, The angels are singing because you got delivered. We're throwing a party, and I was like. What is this? And he said, you can pray in this language too. This is your prayer language. Mimic what they're doing. And that's how I got the gift of tongues. And and so, you know, but then I've known other people who got prayed for. The Holy Spirit hit them. They hit the floor. They didn't feel anything. It was like the Holy Spirit cushioned them. And they got up. I, I, I remember one guy specifically in the back of Corinne's backyard. He was, it was his first night. He was a cessationist through and through. Was a five-point oh, Calvinist. <laughs> And was like, what's happening? Everybody's so happy. And I was like, the Holy Spirit, have you received him? And he was like, I think so. And I said, here, have some more. And I laid hands on him. And he was. He said, mid-sentence, what's happened? And then as he said what's happening, he broke out in tongues, hit the ground, and laid on the ground for an hour. And just prayed in tongues. And so there's stuff like that. And then there's... And, and those things are great. They build your faith. They build your faith. <laughs> they build your faith. But at the same time, the reason why stuff like that happens to people like that is because they need their faith built in that way. So comparing yourself to them, when, when the Lord wants to do something different for, for you based on what you need, is not good for your walk. So you shouldn't. Because... The stuff that I saw, the stuff that other people had, you know, some of these intense experiences with people, I know why the Lord did it for them now because I'm looking at their lives now and I'm going, well, you're, you don't even believe in the Lord anymore. 
No wonder he needed to hit you so radically so that later on when you were ready to come back, you had that experience right. to come back to. Yeah. You know? Um, and for me, like, deliverance is just an intense experience anyway. So, like, I've never been the same since. And praise the Lord because I, who knows where I would have been with all the people I was hanging out with the different things at that time period. So, yeah. you know, it, it's different for everyone what I want to encourage you in tonight is not to focus on what's going on around you, not to focus on the people that are around you. My encouragement to you guys tonight is, are you focused on Him? And are you ready to receive from Him again? If you have the Holy Spirit, if you've had the baptism before, if you have the gifts of the Spirit, if you have your prayer language, if you pray in tongues and you haven't done it in a while, because I know for me, like, I grew stale in praying in tongues for a long time. Now I pray in tongues every day. And praise the Lord that I do because I need that sort of edification in my life. You know, Cam knows some of my, <laughs> like once a week, Cam and I talk, we talk about some of the things going on. And I'm just like, praise the Lord, I'm praying in tongues, Cam. Um, uh, but, but you, but if you haven't prayed in tongues for a while, in a long time, now's the night to have that fire. That in you. If you're pursuing a specific spiritual gift, ask the Lord for it. Because maybe you're not going to break out in tongues. But you know what? Maybe later this week you're going to pray for someone and then they're going to be healed. Right. You know, Maybe you're going to get that prophetic word for that depressed person at work that's going to bring them breakthrough and all of a sudden next, next Sunday they're going to want to come to church with you. You know what I mean? Like, What are you pursuing the Lord for and what spiritual gifts are you pursuing? Mm-hmm. Don't look at everybody else. Forget about them. This is about you and the Lord. One of the reasons why Simon was hindered from receiving the Holy Spirit was because he was looking at what the Holy Spirit was doing for everyone else. Not realizing that because of his own bitterness, he needed the Holy Spirit to get over that bitterness. Right? If he had been focused on what God wanted to do for him, that bitterness, that goal of bitterness wouldn't have been an issue. It wouldn't have been an issue. So my challenge to you guys tonight is, what does the Lord want to do with you? What do you want to do with him? Because we can say, oh, well, whatever the Lord wants. This is the excuse that the church uses a lot of times. Oh, well, if the Lord wants, if it's his will. Well, he said what his will was in scripture. The issue isn't if it's if it his will. The issue is, are you is bold enough will? to follow through on it? Is it our will? Are you bold enough to want his will? Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. You guys have any follow-up questions after that? Now that I've rambled. Go for um, it. Do you think? Uh, do you think we should just make like a general prayer of like whatever gifts you want me to have tonight? Pray for that, or do you think we should like pick like one to strive after tonight? I think you should pick one and be open-handed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Can you name them? So you've got uh, the. We're talking. First, so the specific gifts that I'm thinking of that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for are the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts. I think the Romans 12 gifts are more personality gifts, and you're going to flow in those regardless. And I think that um, the Ephesians 4 gifts are church leadership gifts, so you're going to have people in leadership over you call those out and bring you up into those. So... When I say the gifts of the Spirit, the things that I'm talking specifically about are the I got it, are the gift of prophecy, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, 
the discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, um, the gifts of healing, because there are multiple gifts of healing, the working of miracles, um, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Yeah, that's all of them. Good job. This is a, this is a hobby of mine. If people would let me just come into their churches and teach about spiritual gifts, I would. I've got. Just All open the Bible stuff. for their reassurance. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you notice this or not, but I do that on Sundays now. I'll bring my Bible up even though everything's on the screen behind me. You said that, sorry, 2 Corinthians 12 or 1 First First Corinthians 12. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you asked Ronnie, not me. Okay. So. Yeah, it's just open the starts at verse eight. To follow up what Ron said about praying for like a specific gift, is because it's it's kind of like the whatever the Lord wills kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of people will say, Lord, just give me whatever gift, and I think that's a fine prayer in the like in your daily life. Lord, if you want to give me gifts, I'm here for you. But in a moment like this, you know, if there's a gift that's sticking out to you. I think it's important to ask for that specifically because it's going to boost your faith even more when the Lord gives it to you. And you have something to go after. So, you know, good question. Now, having said that, if he gives you a different gift than the one you're praying for, (laughs) praise the Lord. Roll with it. Yeah. 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 Right. He doesn't keep anything good from those who seek him. I want the gift of miracles. Comments, concerns. You guys ready? Me too. Me too. You go. Go. You want to? I guess just give us a little prayer to close out. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna pray as Cam kind of gets ready to 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 lead um, uh, another song playing in the background. One of the things that, again I want to encourage you guys in. I know I mentioned the the sexual stuff earlier. We had that prophetic word. Um, if there's a Similar to communion. If there's a sin issue that you haven't repented of yet, repent of it before we go into praying. Um, don't, don't let there be anything unspoken between you and God, if you can help. You know, um, that's not to put pressure on you to say, oh, you got to have everything perfect, repent of everything all at once. I'm saying some of the big things that are coming to your mind as I'm mentioning this stuff. That's the stuff to like repent. Ask the Lord to take it away from you. Because he will. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the Lord, right? Um, Get your heart ready to receive him. Um, And I'll give you a few minutes. And then when you're ready to receive him, I just want you to stand up. You're going to stand up and you're just going to hands out like you're receiving something for him and just just close your eyes and just focus on him him and you that heart connection right and eventually I'll come over I'll lay hands on you because that's what we see in scripture they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit from laying on hands 
and then I'll just pray, and whatever happens, happens. Um, stay in front of your chairs if you can. Uh, I've done this before where the Holy Spirit has called people to fall back. I'd rather you fall back into something safe and cushiony, um, if at all possible. And, um, you know, um, just be ready to get full again. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, you want to take it away and then. Oh, well, honey, I'm sorry. I explained everything. That I <laughs> it's okay. Pray, so. uh, but we come before you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm just ready to go. Lord, and we just uh, we thank you for your presence here in the room. We thank you for, it got hot really quick. You're here. <laughs> You're here. It got hot during worship and then it cooled down, but I, I just want to give praise that you're here. No one touched the thermostat. <laughs> I see it on the wall, and it's been sitting there the whole time. Nobody's touched it. So we just thank you that even even in these little things, Lord, that we would learn to recognize your presence. Because your presence is everything. Lord, we just ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. Holy Spirit, we just partner with you. We just bless you to do what you're going to do. If you're going to do it sovereignly, over people right now, Lord, we just ask that you come, baptize us. Amen. Thank you for the electricity in the room. I thank you for the heaviness in the room, that glory that's here. There is glory here. We thank you for your spirit. us and guides us in all truth, who sanctifies us, who seals us, who gives us the power to be bold, to walk in your giftings and to see you rightly, because he purifies our heart. Only the the pure in heart get to see you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come and baptize us in in your presence and with fire. Burn away the sin. Burn away the chaps. Pull out the wheat. Pull out the good fruit. Water the seeds that have been here. The seeds of, of our spiritual gifts, Lord. This is, this, is, this is one of the reasons we're doing this is to start this series on spiritual gifts, Lord. We just pray that you would water those seeds right now. This, the gifts that we've been looking for, we ask that you water those seeds right now. Even me, myself, I, I want a greater gift of healing. I want a greater gift of healing. I want to see miracles happen. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see blind see. I want to see more people set free from demons. Even in myself, Lord, water those seeds. Baptize me again in your presence. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope today's teaching blessed you. And as always, Maranatha. 
Come, Lord Jesus.